Well, let, me, let me read to you uh, Psalm 8. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You've made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. And you've made them rulers over the works of your hands. And you put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and animals of the wild, the birds of the sky, the fish in the sea, and all that swim in the paths of the sea. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The word of God for the people of God. I imagine that all of us have experienced what the psalmist describes, walking out at night and looking up into a jet black sky and seeing all the stars twinkling and all, all of the, the atmosphere and the universe that we can see, the vastness of all that God has created is sometimes overwhelming. I remember as a kid, all those times lying in the grass on my back, looking up at the sky, watching the clouds effortlessly move across the sky, and a canopy of trees in your peripheral vision, you can hear a bird sing. The beauty of, of all that God has created that we've been singing about and, and, and praying about and, and this morning in, in these hymns and, and in, the, in, the, in the music we've listened to. And we've stood on mountains and looked out for miles over trees and forests. And uh, if you do it at the right time of the year when the leaves are changing, it's a, it's a show like none other. It's just amazing. And of course, we've all sat by the sea and heard the roaring of the waves and felt that breeze that comes off the water and smelled the smell of salt water. One of my favorite quotes is by Isaac Dennison. He said, the cure for everything is salt water. <laughs> Sweat, tears, or the sea. How cool is that? How true is that? And Psalm 8 is a hymn of, of praise uh, that, gives, that gives praise to God for the beauty of the world that is around us, that God has created. It is the first hymn of praise uh, that, that's in the book. Uh, it's in the, the Psalter. Uh, it, it's also the only hymn in the Old Testament that is composed completely as a direct address to God. And this psalm begins with praise to God for being the creator who created everything. But for us, this morning, it's also important to consider the core of the hymn, which is verses 4 through 6. Because after being caught up in the wonder of creation and how vast and incredible everything is, the psalmist does what most people do. He then turns to start asking these sort of uh, philosophical and spiritual questions. You know, you look up at the vast universe and you begin to wonder, well, you start to feel kind of small and wonder, what am I doing here? What is, what is my purpose? Why are we here? 
What is our role in the midst of God's creation? And then verse 6 answers that question. It says, you have made them rulers over the works of your hands, and you have put everything under their feet. The psalmist says that God created everything. But one of the reasons that God has put us here is to help take care of what God has created. It all belongs to God. The earth is the Lord's and everything therein. But we get to care for it. It's a gift to us, but it's a gift that requires some maintenance. It's a gift for which we are now responsible. And I mentioned earlier that the psalm begins and it ends with praise to God. And praise to God are the boundaries of the psalm. And then in the center is the affirmation of humanity's authority and responsibility for the care of God's creation. Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann writes that the center and the boundaries must be read together. Either taken alone will miss the point. Human power must always be bounded and surrounded by divine praise. If it were just a psalm about God creating everything, then that would be great. We could just praise God for creating everything, and that would abdicate us of any responsibility. We just say, oh, thank you, God. It all looks great. Um, I heard a story once about these two farmers that were looking out over a fence at this beautiful field. And uh, a little earlier, that field had just been awful. It had been overgrown. It was just tangled brush everywhere. And the one farmer bought it. And he went out there, and he bush hogged and cleared and cleaned everything up. Had to make sure he left the right amount of trees in the right places. And then he planted, replanted the grass, replanted wildflowers. It was a beautiful field. And he and his neighbor were at the fence looking over at it. And his neighbor said, look at that beautiful field God made. And the man said, you're right. But you should have seen it last year when God had it by himself. Now, now, we give God thanks for being the creator who created everything, because we can't do that. But that doesn't excuse us of our responsibility to join God in caring for what God has created. But then if we just focus on our responsibility without giving God the praise for creation, then we start to think that creation belongs to us and that it's about our human power to do with creation whatever we, we please which leads to abuse, dominion becomes domination and rule becomes ruin and subordination to divine purpose becomes subjection to human sinfulness. But we're under God's direction to care for God's creation. And that's the simple point I want to make today, that to be stewards of this earth is a part of our calling as followers of God. And unfortunately, these days, like everything else, it's become a political issue. And some even see it as a partisan issue. But it's not. Uh, I know these days it's mostly Democrats who talk about, um, about the environment and about climate change, about global you know, climate change and about um, regulating companies um, to make sure that they don't abuse the environment or harm the environment. But it's not a partisan issue. The greatest environmentalist that has ever sat in the Oval Office was Theodore Roosevelt, who was a Republican. And the Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA, whose job 
is to regulate businesses so that they don't pollute our environment was started under Richard Nixon, who is also a Republican. So this isn't a partisan issue. Um, this is something that everybody's involved in. The truth is, doesn't matter what your political preference, we all have skin in this game. Because <laughs> uh, clean air and clean water are kind of important to everybody. And, and, and there are problems that face our planet, and, and no matter what party we belong to, we need to demand of our representatives that they take environmental concerns seriously. It's also a scientific issue. And unfortunately, the science has been politicized as well. And sometimes I hear people say, well, some scientists say this and some scientists say that, and we don't know who to believe. Well, we do know who to believe. <laughs> I remember when a group of scientists and physicians said, there is a direct link between smoking and lung cancer. And then there was a whole other group of scientists and physicians who said, nah, smoking won't hurt you. Turns out they were all funded by the tobacco industry. <laughs> so you do know which scientists to listen to. There are scientists today doing research that have no, they're not beholden to either political party or any corporation. They're doing it for the sake of understanding the truth. And that's who we listen to. That, that's who we take seriously. And um, there's plenty of scientific research from those folks to, to let us know what's going on. Um, you know, the problem is, for some reason these days, unfortunately, too many people form a political opinion and then go find some scientists that will agree with them <laughs> instead of finding the truth and then letting that form our political opinion. So, but most importantly, so it's a, it's a political issue, it's a scientific issue, but for me, the most important thing about it is it's a spiritual issue. Because here and in Genesis and in other parts of the Scripture, God gives us a mandate to care for creation. And so our faith needs to transcend politics on this issue. And we need to take seriously our care for this planet because it's a part of our calling. It's part of what it means to be a follower of God. Our own United Methodist Social Principles states this. All creation is the Lord's, and we are responsible for the ways in which we use and abuse it. Water, air, soil, minerals, energy resources, plants, animal life, and space are to be valued and conserved because they are God's creation and not solely because they're useful to human beings. Now comes the hard part. So what can I do? I mean, what can we do? What can you and I do that really makes a difference in, in our environment. And uh, I would just emphasize again that we can start making this a serious part of those people we vote for, that we make sure that they understand the, the importance of policies that are environmentally friendly. But, but you know, what can we do that, as individuals? And, you know, I, I honestly feel that frustration because I'm not sure but I'm, I'm going to do something, and, and I want to, you know, it, most of it requires some simple lifestyle changes that over time, if enough of us do them, make, make a difference. Um, just a few years ago, I was at Inverness United Methodist Church, and we built a brand new multipurpose building, and because it was brand new, uh, we had, you know, every energy efficient um, 
kind of resource in the building that, that they had at the time. Uh, the windows, the insulation, uh, everything had the highest energy efficiency rating you could get. Uh, every light in the building except for one room was LED. It, it was amazing. Not only was it, was it cool how much electricity we saved just by doing some of these things, to know that you're helping the environment and saving money was a pretty good deal. Uh, we, we like both of those things. Um, and you know, it was interesting. The folks in charge of the kitchen there, we, uh, we, we bought uh, a you know, commercial-grade dishwasher that would wash dishes really fast, and they made the commitment to not use any disposable um, plates or cups or anything. So everything we had at church, you ate off a real plate and used real silverware and plastic glasses. And uh, we had a group of people who, vol who volunteered and washed them at the end, um, just so we wouldn't be throwing paper and plastic away. And, and, you know, more and more people are starting to use solar power, which makes a lot of sense in Florida where we have more solar sometimes than we want. <laughs> you know, eating foods that are grown locally, it not only helps local businesses, but it helps reduce the need for those products to be transported great distances. And, I, you know, I certainly don't set myself up as an example. I just want to tell you that I do make an effort. Uh, Cindy and I try um, to do things that, that we, we think are important. You know, we practice recycling. We, we buy food with the least amount of packaging possible. We have our cars full of those reusable bags, and uh, we carry them in and use them, not just groceries, but we try to remember any purchase we make to bring the bag in so we can use it. Um, my daughter... Hannah lives in Seattle, Washington, and uh, there they actually charge you for bags to try to um, get people into the habit of bringing their own. Um, so it's, it, it's amazing once you start doing some of these things, they become a habit. It's not nearly as inconvenient as you may think at first. Uh, and you probably noticed um, my bottle of water that I use every Sunday. Um, I, I don't buy bottled water and rarely drink it um, because if you use something reusable, you don't throw that away every time. I've started bringing my own cup to the Connection Center. They're just small things, but they're things that we can do that make a difference and that help. And our, our Justice um, Ministries team suggested to our trustees, and our trustees approved, uh, we're going to be having an environmental audit here on our buildings. Um, some ways that we can leave a smaller footprint um, and in the midst of it, save some money as well. So uh, oceans and yeah, the, the bottom line is this planet belongs to God. This is not ours. And we are caretakers. We are the keepers of it. And um, we're not doing such a great job. And, and so we have to start taking seriously our stewardship, oceans and lakes and rivers and air. And, and I, I tell you, I don't know anybody more than those of us who live in Florida. Um, you know, I didn't grow up here. I moved here, like most of you. And uh, I moved here because, my gosh, it's a beautiful place. All, all, all the water and the birds. I couldn't believe I moved to Florida. I couldn't believe the birds that are here. All the stuff that, that we, we are surrounded by. That is a gift. It's a gift um, 
from God to us, and we are to be stewards of this gift. So God created the earth, and he made us its keepers. December 24th, 1968, William Anders took this picture from um, the window of Apollo 8. Some of you know this picture. It's called Earthrise. It's the first picture ever taken of the earth from the moon. It's uh, been declared as the most influential environmental photograph ever taken. Um, he was taking these pictures, you see even better on the TVs, but he was taking these pictures in black and white, and uh, when he saw this, he asked for color film, and I'm glad he did. What an incredible picture. And if you were around in 1968, you're in there somewhere. <laughs> if you, uh, and if you look real close, you may find yourself in there. But that beautiful blue ball is God's gift to us. Surrounded by the vast darkness of space, that's us. <laughs> and it, it, it makes our lives possible. And it's God's gift to us. And what we do with it is our gift back to God and to our children and to our grandchildren. Amen.